Welcome to Ilani Talks, a podcast focused on self-care, love, and all that comes with it. I'm your host, Ilani Salcedo. I'm a mental and emotional health writer in the wellness space, and this is just an extension in voice format, of course, that I do on ilanisalcedo.com. In the deepest forms of transformation, your intuition has been guiding you in some way or another. This goes for everyone. Today's episode features Erin Elizabeth Downing, who sheds light on areas of her life where she's transformed and is continuing to do so. Something happens when you finally listen to your soul's calling. You start healing in ways you weren't aware of needed healing. You start changing the way you eat, the way you move about the world, and a list of other things. But one thing's for sure, it leads you to the best version of you with tools to come back to. Listen in as Erin speaks about divine timing, autoimmune diagnosis, holistic life practices, a book proposal, and so much more. Well, welcome Erin to today's episode on Ilani Talks. I'm so thrilled to have you on today and speak about your journey and um, everything that you bring to the table. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I begin with two main questions for my guest, and I will be asking you that, and then we'll go into the heart of what we're going to speak about today. Sure. The two questions are, what do you do and what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. Oh, such good questions, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's like, get right to the heart of it. I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do I do? Right now, um, my main focus is I'm writing a book. So I would say my main profession at the moment is an author. I have a book deal for a book called uh, Kundalini for the Modern Yogini. So teaching the the yoga principles of Kundalini, which is like meditation, mindfulness, and a very, very much spiritual portion of the yoga practice um, in a way that's easily discernible. So that is my my main focus. Um, and I also do work with um, individuals when one-on-one coaching and speaking events and retreats and that sort of thing, which is also an equally important passion of mine, you know, just like having conversations that we're doing right now, you know, Mm -hmm. really having these deep, meaningful conversations with people and, you know, helping others along their healing journey, their evolution journey, you know, whichever direction they're working on moving, you know, upwards in their life. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that as well. Yeah. So what would I want to be known for? So, I mean, it's been mainly more for showing up authentically mm-hmm. and being of service to others and being of service to others in a way that helps us all embrace every component of our being, you know, not shying away from, you know, wanting to have physical health or mental health or emotional health or financial health or healthy relationships, you know, with not only ourselves, but other people and our communities and global and really just working towards, you know, continuing obviously on, on my path so that I can be of service to others and really kind of being that lighthouse or beacon of light that give people the permission to do the same. And that's so beautiful. Um, giving permission to other people to do the same is beautiful because not only, um, are you helping others, but also sharing your story could do the exact same thing, even if that's not your intention at the moment. 
But just sharing your experience and just putting a voice to that, I think, is also a great thing that that you do, and I'm sure that you've done for for a while through your journey. And it's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, you know how sometimes you, I truly believe that everything happens in divine timing, and it doesn't mean I don't want to, like, run headfirst into a brick wall half the time, <laughs> right, wishing that that divine timing was right now for so many things, but oh, yeah. It's like, it's like when you go to a yoga class, you know, seven years later and you've done the same pose 101,000 times and all of a sudden one instructor, you know, puts their like pointer finger on your shoulder and moves you a quarter of an inch and you have this aha moment of, oh, that's where I'm supposed to feel it. Or someone gives you a new cue and, you know, they talk about like your pelvic floor, lining your spine or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, again, for the same thing that you've done over and over and over again. And just someone saying in in a different way, when you're in a different mental space and a different heart space, even maybe even a different physical environment that you're capable Mm -hmm. of hearing or experiencing in a new way. It's those moments of transformation that are just utter magic. Yeah, sometimes you just need that nudge and it could be the simplest things like you just mentioned. Yeah. So let's dive in. One of my first questions is your healing journey from what's on your website to the lovely conversation we've had is inspirational. While that's my own perspective and I'm sure other people feel the same, how do you view it to be? I hope it's inspirational. Um, I, I speak about it um, because I believe it's really, really important to give a voice to both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. right? The yin mm-hmm. and the yang, the up and the down, the masculine and the feminine, the dark and the light. And um, I hope that the way that I express myself comes across, you know, not from a victim mentality and not from you know, a boister mentality or any of those ways, but from a place of me sharing my experience from a place of authenticity, from a place of vulnerability and from the place of, of, like we said in the beginning, wanting to give people permission Mm -hmm. to, to feel into their path as well. You know, I spent so much of my life, you know, I feel like not even realizing different sides of my personality or different sides of my emotional range. And we can talk about, you know, culture upbringing and background and all those things, but, you know, we're all predisposed to, to seeing the world in different ways and having, you know, different modeling from our parents and our environments. And, you know, I've just found that the more I lean into those emotions and the more I lean into those experiences and the more I get really curious about all of that, the more layers of the onion I peel back and the more I'm able to heal, the more I'm able to come to center, the more I'm able to show up for myself and show up for others um, in a way that I just never even knew possible. And, And that comes in my experience from leaning into what was considered negative, right? What was considered shadow, what was considered not okay to talk about. Um, And so by giving that voice through my own journey, you know, I'm, I'm expressing those things and hoping that even if somebody doesn't feel comfortable or safe speaking about them themselves, you know, maybe by hearing my story or maybe by 
hearing the way I view the world or hearing some of the tips and tricks and stuff, you know, even if we never talk or interact in person, maybe those things will resonate and maybe they can put that as a, a tool in their toolkit to help them along their journey as well. Absolutely. And I love how you mentioned the curiosity of things. Um, as much as we are maybe going through something challenging, sometimes our curiosity does bring us to the point where we transform more than we could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's um, kind of where I'm leading with the next question. So of course, you're no stranger to transformation. When it comes to the healing of your audio autoimmune diagnosis from the past that you mentioned on your website, what drove you to find a holistic approach versus continuing to take medication? Yeah, and I'm I'm really grateful for you bringing this up because this was probably the one of the first things that really sent me on this journey. And mm-hmm. that was when I was about 23. Um, I'm 37, closer to 38 <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so when I think back to that, like this journey has been so far in so many different layers and depths since then. And, and it really did begin with this, you know, I was, I was sick for a really long time. Um, I don't ever remember not having stomach issues as a kid. Um, I remember having pains, you know, even as a teenager, I have a vivid, vivid memory of like walking from a parking lot, you know, with my, my high school boyfriend into like a store and keeling over, um, the mm. stitch, so to speak, in my side so bad that I couldn't even physically stand up, you know, that I, com- oh I completely fell to my knees in the fetal position in the middle of a parking lot in broad daylight, <laughs> just not knowing what was happening, completely unable to even uncurl my body because the spasms that were happening mm. in my in my digestive system were so intense. My body literally shut down and clamped into the fetal position. Oh my God. And that was just when I, I was in high school, you know, and, and it got it got worse and it got worse. And by the time I was 23, I was, was literally hospitalized because I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't go a day without having stomach issues and, you know, being in debilitating physical pain. And I don't know, there's just something, you know, I actually, I went to the doctor because of my stomach and they were going to start with some elimination diet. And he reached behind me, um, to check like my neck and my glands and my thyroid. And he immediately, and he immediately sent me upstairs to the endocrinologist. And, um, very shortly after I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, um, my first diagnosis for an autoimmune disease, um, turns out, which I, I'm saying this cause I hope this gives um, people licensing, even just in their hereditary, um, that now older and even with much later diagnoses, um, my dad, his mom, and his sister have all been diagnosed with the same. My dad actually had thyroid cancers. Complete thyroid is removed. Oh, wow. um, on my mom's side of the family, my mom was diagnosed with being allergic to quote unquote wheat. You know, 20, she's been passed away for about 10 years now and 20 years minimum before that. And turns out her mom, her mom's sister, my aunt, my cousin, myself, and I'm sure as the years go by, more individuals on my mom's side of the family all have celiac. Um, Plus, um, 
like rheumatoid arthritis, which is also another autoimmune disease, both on my mom's side and my dad's side. Mm-hmm. So technically I have three. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this at the time. What um, a mix. <laughs> what a mix. And it's all, it's all linear. I mean, let's give some licensing to whether people say it's hereditary or not. I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole in spirituality on ancestral trauma here you know, you can, cause I've taken the genetic markers and cause my mom passed away from, from breast cancer. And so I've had mm-hmm. the gamut of testing more than once, multiple years apart, you know, to keep up with it, to make sure to check and see. And supposedly I don't have, you know, the genetic predisposition for breast cancer. And to be honest, any of these autoimmune diseases that I've, I've been diagnosed with and have quote unquote healed myself from, or continue to heal myself mm-hmm. through diet and exercise and lifestyle and you know the work that I do on a regular basis yeah and I could only imagine if you didn't take this route or you didn't come to the realization or you weren't pushed however that was it could have gotten worse for you right oh yeah and and I know and it's ever-changing and you know I was just writing something about this in in my book because one of the first things the doctors were just putting me on medicine and mm-hmm. nothing was helping. They're like, Oh, you know, cause at the time I was young and still relatively ha- living a healthy lifestyle, even though, but I didn't realize I was eating things I was allergic to. I didn't mm-hmm. realize, you know, that sort of thing. And I just knew that it was painful and not okay. And, you know, they say that, you know, I started doing research and it talks about how sugar is really, you know, difficult with autoimmune diseases. Gluten is really difficult with autoimmune diseases. And you start learning all these things, but celiac wasn't a thing at the time. There was no gluten-free anything, you know, 15 mm-hmm. plus years ago. And, yeah, you know, I started, I started seeking out Eastern medicine, even just from my own curiosity, because I was just getting a pill and being like, okay, I hope you feel better by, you know, like it was, it wasn't doing anything. It was saying, oh, let's give your body a couple of hormones to like trick it into thinking it's quote unquote, okay for my thyroid mm-hmm. condition. It wasn't helping. And I was still sick, like debilitating sick with my stomach. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. You know, I can't even tell you how many colonoscopies and like the camera, you know, endoscopies and all the things that I've had in my life. And every time it comes back inconclusive and you know, I just kind of, I still took the medicine. Let's be honest. I wasn't confident at that point. And I I took the medicine and I started going to see an Eastern doctor. Like I started going to see an acupuncturist and, you know, something in my gut was like, you just got to cut out meat. I was like, I don't know why, but like, I just needed to stop it and cutting out meat. I swear my life improved 70% overnight. Oh, wow. And to be clear, I'm not saying that that is everyone's journey and everyone's path. Like mm-hmm. it, it is the right thing for me. And when I think back to my youth, I was the kid who ate lettuce and tomato on a hamburger bun. Like I didn't like <laughs> it. I didn't want it. I ate it because I was like told I needed protein or I was an athlete in high school. And like, I needed to eat like turkey or chicken or something mm-hmm. to give me the protein to sustain. It wasn't because I, I wanted to, or it wasn't because I liked the taste of it or found enjoyment out of it. It was because it was something I was told yeah. that, I, that I needed to do. So that's licensing to anyone, right? If you mm-hmm. never really liked something, 
it probably is not like the best fuel for your body. That doesn't mean if like you only like dipping animal crackers into cans <laughs> of icing. <laughs> yeah. That that's like what you should get down Yeah. With. Not that kind of liking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, listen, but- that's all delicious, right? Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> no, but absolutely. And that was like your body talking to you for years. Um, And unfortunately, with situations like that, I'm not going to speak for everyone um, or even for yourself, but sometimes you need to be like hit in a way where it's just like, okay, I need to shift my life because this is just not working out for me. Yeah. And it's, and to be clear, it's continued to change. Like that hasn't been, that wasn't the magic pill that all of a sudden fixed everything. I was going to acupuncture. I was learning about Eastern medicine. I was reading every book I could find. And, you know, I, I spent a couple of years in California doing that. And then I moved to New York city. And when I moved to New York city, I just said, you know, I'm not going to freaking take that pill anymore. I'm just not Mm going to do it. Like, Mm -hmm. I just know in my gut that I'm going to be okay. I just know it. And I stopped and I didn't, you know, I didn't have a doctor from, you know, I was in San Diego at the time, you know, before, like he wasn't checking in on me because I didn't live there anymore. And I just mm-hmm. kind of said, nope, I'm not going to do it. And then a year later I did my testing and they were shocked that my levels were completely normal and I was fine. And, but I continued, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, cooking school um, in New York city that that focuses a lot on plant-based and is really holistic approach. And I remember going to a lecture there and a woman had healed her body through her thyroid condition. And one of the things that she toted was really talking about making her own bone broth and doing a lot of that. This was before bone broth was a thing. No one Mm -hmm. had heard of it. It wasn't something you could buy in the store. And I remember listening to her and just thinking that like, that's, I'm really great that that helped her, but that's not my path right? Like, I just know that that doesn't sit right with me, but it didn't mean that that didn't help her. And I say that because I learned a lot of stuff from, from what she did, but I also, I took that internalized it and really sat with it and said, okay, what feels right and what doesn't? And should I Mm -hmm. test and should I not test using myself as patient zero? And that's what, you know, that's what I hope to do to go back to your original question with what we talk about. You know, and what I talk about is because I've learned so much about so many different things because it has been my own evolution to what works best for me and what, what works best for me may or may not work best for someone else, but maybe it's something they've never thought of before. Yeah. Um, that could be one of those light bulbs that's like, oh, wow, I also ate lettuce and tomato on a hamburger bun. <laughs> I never <laughs> like that. Like maybe I should just cut it out and see what works and who yeah. knows. Yeah. And I love that. I love that that you've been able to come so far and just find your own holistic approaches that has worked for you. Um, And while I've found my own um, and I've found that it not only strengthened my health and my body, but also also my spirituality. And that's kind of where I want to lead the rest Mm -hmm. of the conversation on. How has this lifestyle shift affected you spiritually and also when it comes to your spirituality, what does your inner work look like? Yeah, great lead in because, you know, just like we were talking about, um, you know, I, I made that first step when I was probably what, 23, 24, and, and I didn't have meat, but growing up by the water, I still ate seafood and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the more spiritual I got, um, the more I, I peeled back even more because there was some way that the the more in tune with myself on that deep cellular level I got, the less I could 
could align with that with my body. And even in moments of extreme transformation, you know, I'm going through a big personal transformation at the moment, as I'm sure many people are with COVID and, Mm -hmm. you know, life, life handiness, you know, a new set of tools to deal with. (laughs) Um, I'm finding that right now I crave like a live food, like green, like Mm -hmm. live fresh cut carrots, like things like that, like stuff that is alive and colorful and vibrant. And even some of the foods that are like cooked down a little bit more that are healthy, like quinoa and spinach and stuff like that. I'm finding that I'm just not craving that as much because my body's needing, needing that extra life force to help nourish it during this time that I'm going through in this time of transition. Um, and it's the, by making everything's interconnected. Um, so by making some changes in your nutrition, you might find some changes in your spirituality by making changes in your spirituality. You may find changes, not only in your mental health, but your environment, you know, you may, you may no longer feel comfortable in the environment that you were before, whether that means in your interpersonal relationships, whether that means, um, the way you showed up in your familial relationships, you know, either biological or chosen, or how you showed up in your professional relationships. You know, every every new evolution of ourselves, we begin to shift. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was having a, a really good conversation with two of my oldest friends um, just the other day, and we were talk about, talking about boundaries and talking about each of us changing, and, and they have multiple kids. And we were having this discussion, and, you know, we brought it back to the you know, I said, it's like, it's like that time tailed saying, you know, the only people who have problems with you having boundaries are those who benefited from you having none. Mm-hmm. And the more we dive into spirituality and the more we dive into ourselves, because I do believe that any spiritual journey is a reconnection with ourself, oh, yeah. whomever you believe in, whatever you believe in race, religion, creed, you know, male, female, any any way that we go, um, it's a it comes first and foremost with tapping into to our highest self or calling us and and getting comfortable with who we are, and and through that we reach a deeper connection with the divine. And as that happens, you know we start to really test our limits and mm-hmm. push our limits which is when, you know, we begin to set more personal boundaries, emotional, mental, physical, and really start to shift the way we show up in this world with all of those relationships, regardless of what avenue. Yeah, absolutely. I could personally speak about meditation for ages, and it's a big uh, catalyst for my own spirituality. But how has that brought what or what has that brought to your own life? Because I know that you do mention a little bit of that on your website. Oh yeah, it's completely trans my transformed my life. Um, you know, I mean, even what I'm doing right now, writing a book on Kundalini. You know, Kundalini is how I meditated for the first time, and you know, even in the same conversation with with my girlfriends the other night, my one girlfriend says, you know, everyone says you should meditate, and I just can't do it. I said, you can meditate with Kundalini. I was like, do you want to stop talking right now? I'll lead you. <laughs> she was like, sure. I was like, no, seriously, it's so good. Like, do you want me to do this because it'll help you so much. You know, I, yeah, I'm like, let's do it. She's like, uh, okay. But it's, I mean, it's how I first meditated for the first time because, um, I mean, with Kundalini, you use all the mediums, you use your breath work, you use your physical body, you know, your mental body. And 
you know, like you said, you could talk about it for forever, but at the time, you know, I was a crazy busy New Yorker who kind of, you know, keep Sunday from Tuesday to, you know, 8am to 8pm, like straight (laughs) in her mind. Um, And it was, it was a huge beginning of of change. And it's part of my daily life. Now I I cannot go a day without it. Um, I don't know how to go a day without it, even if that just means dropping in for five minutes. Um, And it it really is magic, um, because it, it gives you that ability to reconnect with yourself no matter what's going on Mm -hmm. I'm sure like you mentioned you can't go on without it so you have kind of like a practice in place even if it's for five minutes but how has creating a practice to center yourself brought up any patterns that you weren't aware that you've been conditioned to believe in and live by and with what you feel most comfortable with can you share any examples on that oh so many (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it changes, it changes literally every day. I mean, it's one of those things that every time I do the work, you know, the work, meaning whatever that practice is to get real and open and vulnerable with myself, um, those layers of onion peel back. And sometimes it's not fun and or enjoyable and or okay by Mm -hmm. that I was raised to dive into it. And it's uncomfortable as F because a lot of times we realize the way that we've been holding ourselves back, you know, the way that we realize, you know, I feel having this conversation feels so amazing to me with you for so many reasons. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and part of that is part of that's your energy. Part of that's the space you create. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of that to answer, you know, your question is the fact that I didn't feel comfortable sharing my voice when I was younger. It's not something that was valued and it wasn't something that was um, quote unquote important. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I know how that is. (laughs) Right. And, and this is what kind of that these practices do to, you know, to get back to the, to what you, what you asked, like to come to that realization is really hard one. Because then you have to start thinking about all sorts of things. And I'm, I'm getting a little bit teary-eyed right now, even mm. just thinking about it. Because, you know, part of my, a big part of my journey is my process with grief with my mom. Um, mm. I lost my mom almost 10 years ago. And there's some times when I think I've come to a lot of peace with it. And there are some times that just knock me on my booty. And one of the things that is a really beautiful byproduct of my daily practice and my commitment to continuing this level of self-exploration and devoting my life truly to bringing all of these medicines to the world, to helping other people do the same, um, is coming face to face with, with all of that. And, you know, one of one of the more recent realizations that I've had is sometimes I have a really hard time with other people, especially even though my mom talking about, talking about grief um, and talking about their grief, you know, not only because when they look at me, they see her, mm-hmm. which takes a lot of work on myself to be able to tap back into myself in those moments, right? Mm-hmm. And not be empathetic and be swallowed by their grief and or feel unseen and or unheard 
right yeah. in those moments because they see her yeah it's um, a lot of pressure as well I'm sure so much and not only that you know I find so many people talk about her at least to me and these utopic terms and that I have come to realize and know the more that I dive into myself and see myself as a whole and complete being and see my quote unquote faults and see my quote unquote successes and start to realize that they're not, you know, positive or negative. They're all part of this. And the more realization I have around it, the more grace I can give myself and the more I can lean into the painful times and the happy times and, and use them both as fuel, use them both as catalysts. Mm -hmm. Um, the more it hurts my heart to hear them talk about her in only utopic terms, because it doesn't do justice to the entirety of her being. Mm. It doesn't acknowledge Mm. her in my mind as a whole and complete person and it also doesn't allow them to heal with their grief. Hmm. Yeah, they're not in a way coming to terms with, like you said, her entirety of who she is or who she was, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's that has been, as of late, some of the biggest, you know, depths, layers of the onion, whatever you want to call it, from my perspective that I've been dealing with, because the more I start to see her as a full and complete person with, you know, positives and negatives, knowing that she did the best that she could with what, with the cards that she was dealt every day and the most amazing, you know, was the most amazing bright light of soul, how some of her decisions affected me and not blaming her for it, but diving in and thinking about why she did things that way and Mm -hmm. how it may have impacted me you know again like you're saying societally positive and or negative um in those regards and really really dive into that my healing and grief journey has been so much deeper and so much more healing in the same way that it's healing to dive into our own darkness be it painful as all get out while also confusing being surrounded by people who maybe they are doing that on their own but they're not at a point or they're not at a comfort level where they feel comfortable having those conversations with me yeah that's a lot of transformation (laughs) Um, and also from from the other side of things like you say, people probably can't meet you where you're at. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm sure, is a little disappointing. Well, it's hard. There's a, I mean, I was, when I graduated college um, and I went to school at Virginia Tech and I was from, you know, I grew up in Virginia and I went to DC right out of school. It was really close. All my friends were kind of on the same path. But, you know, around that time, I, I alluded to the fact that I was in San Diego. I left and I went out west. And, the majority of my core group of friends were all on the East Coast and we're all doing the thing and living near each other. And most of them married, you know, guys that they went to dated in college. And, you know, I was kind of the first one to strike out on my own path. And so I have been different from mm-hmm. people I grew up with. Um, even my core group of friends in college, you know, since a very young age. 
And when I think about it, I've always, you know, I was, I was the kid that I have family that lives in Italy. And I remember being in seventh grade, going to visit my aunt. And back then they would like, hi, you could pay to have a flight attendant, like escort you. And, mm. you know, the, because you're underage. And I remember being super annoyed that they were going the wrong way and being like, uh, excuse me, it's this way. Like, why do I have to be paid to do this? I can do this on my own, you know? So let's be honest. I was probably, you know, meant to go out on my own path yeah. way back then. Um, but it's, it's one of those things that like, I, I don't feel alone in it anymore. If anything, it's one of my life's greatest blessings to even have, you know, those conversations that I alluded to the other day with two of my oldest friends who are starting their own path on some of these journeys. And we were talking about things that may be in my vocabulary for a while now, but weren't always, and they're starting to open up to that and dive into the depths of their soul. And for me, it's, it's not, I don't think of it in lonely. I think of it as like a, a blessing, like, oh, how lucky am I that not only have I been doing this, and even though it's been really hard that most of the stuff has felt like my own personal soul journey that I haven't had at least my original core, you know, society upbringing kind of dynamic and or family right? Go mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. with me. But it's, it's beautiful to meet other individuals like you and I kismetly meeting, you know, like we've, we've never even met in person, but what mm-hmm. a beautiful conversation we had. And like knowing that think, like, thank God for this technology age where we can connect in mediums like this. I know. I always say that. I'm like, if it wasn't for technology, how many people would you not meet or speak to Yeah, that are just amazing? It's, it's beautiful. And I, I love that if we're willing, no matter where we are, we can find those people. Absolutely. And, um, and with the theme of transformation, um, you mentioned your book earlier. Mm-hmm. How has that been part of your transformation as well? And while you've been going through that process, is there anything that you would tell any authors that would want to start writing or not authors, but the author in a person. Um, any advice on how that process is and sure. anything about writing in general? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, it's hard as F. <laughs> I could only imagine. Oif to the oof, girl. Like, I'm telling you, like, I have done some pretty hard shiz in my life. Like, I have, mm. I have dealt with an extreme amount of loss, not just for my mom. I've had all sorts of crazy happened to me Mm. I picked up and turned my life upside down multiple times in multiple cities traveled multiple countries and like it is one of the most isolating pick yourself up every day make your own schedule kick yourself in the booty what can I do right now to get myself out of my head how can I not feel lonely in this moment you know and and the grass is always greener on the other side you know my my girlfriends that have like you know significant others and multiple kids would love to be, you know, for a week somewhere by themselves. Right. And like, I would love to be for a week in their household surrounded by all this amazing, you know, children, (laughs) energy and chaos. And, you know, it's, it's always greener on the other side. And it's, it's really, really difficult because, you know, especially when you're trying to put your heart and soul into something, um, it is a labor of love. It's not about the money. Um, even though I do believe that 
money is an energy exchange. And I do believe that when we put our heart and soul into things, it will come back to us, maybe not in ways or portals that we imagine, but it will come back, you know, in, in ways to, the universe is our bank. The universe will support us, um, especially if we're doing things from a place of, of love and the highest and best for all. But it's not easy. And, you know, the mm-hmm. hardest thing for me was the book proposal. I mean, having to put how many Instagram followers you have, right? And mm-hmm. what is your promotion plan? And who do you know that's famous? It's like, really? But that's not what... <laughs> Like I get it. It's about marketing and selling and that's a whole different conversation, but you know, whether or not this amazing idea you have that you want to help people and and bring this light and bring this medicine to the world is Mm going to make all the dollars, right? Determines, determines it. And and when you get a book deal, they don't publish, like, unless you're someone who has an extremely large following that has people who are ready and willing to hit click, right? And purchase Mm -hmm. and pay you for what you're writing. Um, these publishing houses don't promote it for you. So you have to think about how you're going to, you know, market what you're doing in a way that um, is appeasing to all demographics. And you have to sit there with this book proposal and basically tell someone how amazing you are. And it's, yeah, which I'm sure is so uncomfortable. <laughs> it, well, I think we have our, I mean, I believe we have our own blind spots. Like oh, you, yeah, absolutely. You and I could be talking and I've known you for how long and I could be like, oh my gosh, like she has this energy and you can tell this and I could say 12 amazing things about you and we hardly mm-hmm. know each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, how difficult it is to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, oh, this is your strength. You're amazing at this and this is why you're a great person. You know, we all we all have some form of body dysmorphia. We all oh, yeah. like look at ourselves in the mirror and see our faults and this wrinkle here. And this is why we're unlovable because of this. And 90% of the time, like people don't notice what we think or don't think the same things about us. And, you know, it's that sort of piece of the initiation process was really hard for me. And it's still difficult because, you know, I, I want to focus on the things that are going to help. And, trying to say like, I am amazing and you should pay for all the things because of this. It's like, <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that's a byproduct of like my heart and soul being into it. But for me, it's not the most important part. Yeah. Um, and if, if you have, so back to the advice, if you have the dollars and, or you have friends in the industry or people that you trust that can help reflect those things back to you, to help you with your book proposal, right. To help you with that process. So you're not on your own Island, um, who can, you know, maybe even just majored in marketing, advertising in college, or, you know, like reach out to somebody on Instagram who seems really fantastic about it and ask them to pick their brain for 30 minutes because you admire them. And you never know, Mm -hmm. you make it 15 no's, but you may get one. Yes. And, and knowing that it's going to be a difficult, lonely process is important because it's like having expectations of moving to New York City and thinking you're going to be best friends with everyone on the street and you're going to go out <laughs> to fancy dinners every night and like mm. go to all the clubs and do all the stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that could be your reality. And God bless you if you figure that out, you know? Yeah, that um, sounds a little exhausting, but <laughs> yeah, or tell me the secret. Like, if yeah, that lights you absolutely. up, like, what did you do and how did you do it? But 
I mean, it's like the same thing. Like New York is one of the craziest, busiest places in the world, but it can be one of the most lonely. And Mm -hmm. writing a book can be a hotbed of inspiration and love and self-expression and all of this, but it also can be incredibly exhausting. It can be depressing. Like actually, Mm -hmm. if you were predisposed to that sort of thing, it can be, it can trigger a lot of those wounds in you Mm -hmm. that maybe you haven't dealt with before. And knowing that, and knowing that that is part of the journey and that on the other side, you're going to come out a more whole, more complete, holy crap, I did that, you know, kind of thing. Um, it's just, it's a different road. It's like switching a career that you've never done before and working for a tech startup instead of working for like a government agency or something, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's a completely different energy. It's a different um, work ethic. It's self-start it's, you know, versus, you know, being managed with tasks, you know, where you have to be in a cubicle for a certain time. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just a different road and knowing that it's going to be different and setting your expectations that you're not going to you know, rent a cabin in the south of France and wake up and, you know, write yeah. 3,000 words every day of pure magic and be fluent by the time you leave kind of thing, <laughs> which again, if you figure that out, awesome. Please tell me mm-hmm. how you did it. I am on the next flight as soon as they yes. open the borders and I don't have to quarantine for two weeks. Like I'm with you. Like I will yes. come and we will do it together. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but I love how you bring that up because I'm sure a lot of people who aren't writers or they want to write a book and don't know where to start, they might assume that the process isn't that difficult and, you know, you're just writing. But as a writer myself, I know how deep you could get into um, just certain moments and you're like, wow, if I didn't write this down, would I have actually figured this out about myself or about a situation? So I could only imagine the weight that a book brings. Yeah. And it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's self-imposed like everything else. I mean, we mentioned looking in the mirror and like all of us having body dysmorphia and those sort of things, the same thing. It's just like on a whole nother level, especially um, if you are not naturally introverted where you're not Mm -hmm. naturally, I don't know, predisposed to be more comfortable with your own company and your own thoughts. It can be really tough. And even if you are naturally introverted, it's a new layer to it right? That you haven't probably explored before. And it's a lot different in writing because you're writing in your journal for self-expression or you're writing an article because it's something important that you need to get out of your body because you have to get out of your body. And then there's something completely different that happens when you have deadlines and you have things and now Mm -hmm. people are talking to you about monetizing and all of that. It's, It's like anyone who... so. Anyone who goes to school for something creative, you know, I went to school for interior design. I had, um, you know, I remember talking to one of my first bosses and he said, what is like, why do we do this? It's like, okay, this is a test. Like, I got this, you know, I can, all right, mm-hmm. we do this, you know, for the beauty of design. It was like, I went into interior design because people are away from their families for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day. And they're working in these spaces and through like the way we interconnect them, their, their relationships with their people at work are going to be better. And the sunlight we bring into the office space and like their relationships when they come home are going to be better because they're happier in their work environments. We're just going to change the world through the power of design. 
Mm-hmm. I was serious as a heart attack too. Like no joke, dead face. Like this is why I went into your design. Like this mm-hmm. is why it matters to me. Like through beauty, through the work that we do, through helping solve these companies' problems with workflow management and all this stuff. Like, yes, we are gonna like make the world a better place. He looked me dead in the eye and was like, wrong. I said, wrong. Oh my God. And he goes, do you know why we do this? I said, why? He goes, to make money. I said, what? Oh my goodness. And he said, and if you think it's anything other than that, you should probably leave. Oh my God. No joke. And I was like, I'm sorry, come again? Yeah. After And especially after giving such a great explanation, like you sold me there. Yeah. Well, that but- was that was my truth. And that is still my truth. Like when I think yeah. about going back into that, you know, I was in, I ebbed and flowed in different avenues from that. Like I went to school to be an interior designer and mm-hmm. I, I did design. Um, and then I ended up being a contractor. So I built the spaces I used to design. And then I was a project manager. So I hired the architect and hired the contractor and did that. And when I think about what my life looks like after, you know, I finished this first draft of this book that's that's due in like a, a month and a half. And, you know, I look at how I dip my toe back into the world. I'm like, God, is there a way that I can continue this flow of creativity back in this world that used to light me up? And used to bring so much joy to my life and really had that mission in my heart and my soul. Like there's got to be another way. Like the world has changed. You know, maybe mm-hmm. I got a little jaded by people like him, right? That were like maybe, yeah. wrong. And maybe I could dip my toe back in in a new and invigorated way and think about, you know, how can I I bring that back into it? And that and that's what happens when you're when you're writing as well. Not to go completely off topic, but to bring it back to just writing or being an author as well. It's like how can you maintain that creativity? How can you maintain that drive and that passion and the drive to do it for the greater good, not because you're trying to monetize it and make money, and and trust. Yeah that because you're doing it for the greater good and because your soul has something to say that the money will come. Yeah. Because that's what yeah. I believe is true. I I truly believe that when people put their heart and soul into the world with the right purpose, the money will come. Yes, we may all need help having someone else toot our horn for us or in any other area that we feel, you know, not comfortable doing whether that's the marketing portion or whether that's the PR plan or whether that's even creating the outline or the book proposal or, you know, sending the letters to publishers, you know, there may just be areas where we can say, Hey, this isn't my strength. Who can I look to that is not only great at this, but like enjoys it and feels comfortable Mm -hmm. and brings their light and their joy and their passion to it so that we're hitting even areas that I feel uncomfortable with surrounding it by people who feel passionate about it and who get lit up the same way I'm getting lit up by this portion of the process. Yeah. And that support system is always great too. Yeah. I know we could definitely go on forever, but to finish this up, I want to bring it back to transformation in all senses. I know we've spoken about a lot of different things, but while it could bring up fear and resistance in anyone in any type of transformation, how have you seen these two things play a huge part in your own present moment for the better? Because I feel like fear and resistance are definitely words that have a negative energy to it, or some people put negative energy to it. Um, so I want to shed a little bit of a better light onto it. Yeah. With your perspective. I think it's, 
my perspective around it is purely the fact that fear and resistance are always going to be there. And I feel them daily. Every single day, I find my body being resistant to it, even by getting upset some, sometimes, you know, when my mental mind is not letting me process something because I am afraid or I am resistant. Maybe all of a sudden I will literally have stomach or my body will start to ache or feel more tired. And, mm. and it's, and it's through these practices that we've talked about. It's through the spiritual journey. It's through meditation. It's through that, that we start to look at them as like, Oh wait, this is a clue. This isn't something shutting down on me. This is my body, my mind, my heart, my soul, my higher self waving the red flag, you know, and mm-hmm. saying, Hey, mm-hmm. something's not quite right here. And And the more that we start to push up against that fear and push up against that resistance and come out on the other side and realize that we're going to be okay. And and especially when we start to have moments where we really jump off those cliffs and and things do eventually, you know, even if we can't see the forest through the trees, eventually end Mm -hmm. up better than we could have ever imagined. Our trust muscle gets a little bit better. And and we dip back into those patterns all the time. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it could be easier to rely on, you know, if you're, if you're in between jobs, right? Like maybe you do need to rely on somebody else for finances at the moment and that's okay. Like maybe that's just part of your journey. But when, when you have other options and you start to rely on somebody because you can, is that you not trusting yourself? Is that you not Mm. trusting the universe? Is that you not trusting your path? And how can you push yourself out of that fear of lack, out of that fear of change and trust? I'm not saying jump off a cliff because, you know, you just want something to be different. I'm, I'm talking, I'm, which is an important clarification, right? Like I'm, I'm talking about leaning into those moments where you know, you're on the right path and you know that something is calling you to do the next right thing for you, whatever that means, and whom, mm-hmm. whomever you directly affect, right? Whether mm-hmm. your pup or your family or your kids or your grandparents or your coworkers or your neighbor, whomever you identify with as being directly affected by that, if it's the best for you and for those that you consider in that circle that you're also making decisions for their highest and best and your highest and best together, the more we start to lean into that and jumping off those even minor cliffs saying, I trust and I know I'm going to be okay, the more we get supported and the more we keep going and the more we get out of that lack of mentality. And then the more, you know, the next time our stomach hurts a little, we say, mm, is this emotional? Or like, did I just mm-hmm. not eat something that I was supposed to do? Like, is my gut trying to tell me something? What's going on? Can I, can I get out my phone and just take notes in it because I can't journal? Can I walk down the street and voice memo myself? Cause I don't have anyone mm-hmm. I can talk to at the moment. You know, can I, can I sit down and meditate and close my eyes? Like, can I lock myself in the closet where none of the kids can find me? Right. And, you know, like get yeah. quiet for a minute. Like what can we do to stop in that moment and say, wait, let's get curious. What's actually yeah. happening here. We're not going to ignore it anymore. The darkness is not quote unquote scary. It's literally our soul trying to give us the clue to when something's Mm -hmm. a little bit off and how can we listen? Yeah, absolutely. I love that advice. And I I love how you just gave all those like little different examples 
um, because it could look so different for every situation. Yeah. Um, and just and just reminding ourselves that we could take that moment, even if it's for a second, to really get in touch of how we're doing and why we're feeling the way we do. Yeah. And so here's a quick quick tip. If you can't do this, even if you're in a meeting in a boardroom when everyone's in suits and people are being cray cray and you can't even close your eyes, right? Just mm-hmm. literally count your breath in for one, two, three, four, and hold your breath. One, two, three, four, and exhale. One, two, three, four, and then hold your breath. One, two, three, four. It takes less than 30 seconds. Your heart rate will slow down. Your mind will soften. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't do anything. If you want to count on your fingers, like putting your thumb on your pointer, your middle, your ring, and your pinky as you do it under the table where no one can see you or when you're driving in the car, right? You can do that. And any of your kids can be screaming in the back and you're about to yell at them again that you're not turning on another movie (laughs) and all the things and they're like, no, we're not there yet. Like you can be in the middle of all of that. And still do that. And in 30 seconds, you can take that moment of peace that will help you get back to yourself and you'll be able to to begin to find the answers you're looking for or at least not react from a place of low self-worth or lack or frustration or fear Mm. or resistance or any of the buzzwords that we've talked about. It, It is such an amazing free 30 second tool that can help anyone, no matter where you are, who you are, religion, race, socioeconomic status, you know, sexual orientation, name every type of, you know, list that people use to divide us. And we have so many tools like that, that prove that we are all equal. We are all human. We are all part of this human experience. And we can all use these amazing tools that we have, no pun intended, at our fingertips to to help us along our journey, right? And bring bring us back to center whenever we need it. Thank you so much, Erin, for sharing your beautiful voice and your story today. I'm really excited for everyone to hear this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor, truly. Like, it's such a great, I feel amazing just sharing space with you and and sharing space Mm -hmm. with the people who haven't even heard this yet. You know, like, it just feels so lovely and my gratitude is is boundless for sure thank you guys can you believe me and Erin have never met each other in person this conversation and another we've had before was more than enlightening and sharing experiences it was a connection that only could have come out of doing the inner work on both ends of our lives crossing paths with persons to whatever capacity that is is divine timing think of that for a second I hope that transformation, intuition, and healing with Erin Elizabeth Downing was an episode that uplifts you in any way, that allows you to come back to yourself without judgment, and that somewhere down the line, you realize how much your life is always talking through your feelings, your body, situations, the spaces you go out of and into. Thank you for listening to Ilani Talks today. Kindly rate this podcast, leave a comment, follow, share with whom you see fit, and stay tuned for future episodes. Until the next one, with all my love, Ilani.